you here tonight and uh, we haven't preached on Sunday night since since June I hope I remember how to do this it be weird it was a good time of listening to everybody preach we've had some wonderful message there wasn't a, a clinker in the bunch amen they're all encouraging they're all blessing and the clinkers will start tonight I guess but it's been good and thank everybody for their putting time and effort into it, and I was encouraged by it all. Uh, I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight and find the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, and find that place in your Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Oh man, welcome back. What happened to Crystal? Wasn't she here? Was she? Oh, Crystal's on baby watch tonight. Ecclesiastes. We're going to take a, a, a we were going to call a look at life. A look at life from the Word of God. Ecclesiastes or, your Bible may say, Ecclesiastes or the preacher. And we'll get into the explanation of what this word means. What does Ecclesiastes mean? And, uh kind of a simple word really but we'll look at it father we're thankful we can be here this night thank you for the word of god thank you for christ who loved us and died on calvary's cross give us the local church a refuge a place apart from the world to center on heaven to center on the eternal word of god and a fellowship with people of like faith now lord bless our time tonight may christ be honored and glorified help me as i speak and speak for me and speak through me Bless those who watch through the internet and those who may even listen to this later at some distant time. May they be encouraged and challenged is what we read this evening. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Solomon also wrote the book of Proverbs. Solomon wrote the book of Song of Solomon. We will find as we go through this, the book of Ecclesiastes is quite a different book from the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's been said by many that a book of Song of Solomon, it's an interesting book, by the way, and awfully misunderstood, has wonderful meaning to it, but in there we see a love story of what appears to be a young man falling in love with a young girl. And as all young men, they all have their pursuits for love when they're young. Solomon would then write Proverbs as a middle-aged man, as a man who is had his loves and he's probably still has them but he's his pursuits have changed as he's grown older and he's the the quest for wisdom and proverbs and 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 things of that nature and and then as Solomon grows older we we find the book of Ecclesiastes which takes a dark turn and I want you to understand it's not a dark book for us we're going to get a blessing out of this book we're going to be encouraged by it because we're going to understand what this book is saying and why God put it in scripture for us. God doesn't put books in the Bible to depress you. Boy, I've never said, I don't know how I, I, feel, I feel miserable today. No, that's not why it's there. There's nothing in the Bible to depress you. There are depressing things in the Bible, but God also put those there for a reason, for lessons and to challenge us, to warn us about certain things. Probably the book of Judges contains some of the most horrific events in human history. And again, God put them there. Somebody asked me, why is that story in the Bible? I couldn't sleep last night after reading that story in the book of Judges. I said, it's just showing you 
the depravity of man, when there's no God, it shows you that man's depravity has no depths. And always be careful of a society that has no God. It's a scary place to be. So again, in, in, in Proverbs, we saw the wisdom of Solomon. And in Ecclesiastes, it, it can be said that we're going to see the foolishness of Solomon. Solomon, all his wisdom, you would think he would end on a high note. But he starts out on the high note and ends on the low note. His life had deteriorated. He, he, his, he's married uh, over all these women. And they're pagan women. He ends up building shrines and temples dedicated to their gods. And it says in, in Scripture that the, his wives took his heart away from the Lord. Always guard your heart, my friend. Nothing wrong with being in love and loving somebody, but uh, love the Lord more. And keep God first place. And God will bless the thing that you love second. He really will. When you put the second thing first, that will deteriorate. Keep God first, and the second will stay alive and fresh and, and, and always be renewed. So Solomon takes this drastic turn. And it's really, it's a... It's, it's his autobiography, so to speak. He's looking at life, and we're watching life as Solomon goes for a search, and he's looking for things in his life. And, and, and it's written while he's away from God. And anytime we write something while we're away from God, will always show us just how dark we can become. And Solomon is writing this, and it's amazing. It's, it's inspired scripture, yet what Solomon Right. This is you got to understand this. Now I'm going to try and explain this. And I hope I say it right. Okay. Please pray for my brain to spit this out properly. It's inspired scripture, but not everything in scripture was insp was came from God. There's a lot of bad things in scripture. God records simply what men say, but it doesn't mean God gave them those words. When we say scripture is inspired, it means God recorded what men said and what men wrote down and what men did. And, and that's inspired in that sense. But when a, when a man talks about murdering and killing and, 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 and doing vile things, God is just letting you know what he said. And in Ecclesiastes, we have what Solomon saw, what Solomon was witnessing. And, and it, again, it's Solomon talking and God has inspired by the scriptures and given them to us here. For us to read and understand. So God, again, did not inspire Solomon to go on this, this search in life in the sense. But he did record it for us so that we can see his futility and the errors of his way. And again, to correctly understand, and this is important. Please, I'm going to say this a hundred times before we ever finish this book. To correctly understand any book of the Bible, it's important to, to know the purpose for why the book was written. Why is this book written? What is, what is the author trying to tell me with the purpose of this book? And so we need to, when we read it, we look back and, and, and we're getting a, a, a view here. Now oftentimes when we read scripture, we, we, we put a, a magnifying glass on a verse and, we, and we're learning from it. With, with Ecclesiastes, we're kind of stepping back and we're looking at the whole picture here, what Solomon's doing. And we're observing all that Solomon sees. And, 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 and really it's a book of 
human philosophy. And always be care, careful of philosophers. The world loves philosophers. They always do. They, you got these guys who died 2,000 years ago, and we're still learning about Plato and Aristotle and, and all these other pagans, and their philosophy doesn't give you any answers. It's just thoughts and observations, but there's never an answer. Scripture, there's a difference between a philosopher and a preacher. A philosopher just tells you, hey, yeah, it's pretty bad. And a preacher says, it's bad, yes, but, and gives you answers and proclaims the truth of God's word. The world loves philosophers, but it hates preachers. <laughs> Christians, we love preaching. We have no use for philosophers. It's not what we do. I'm not going to spend my time reading books of philosophy on what people may think and possibly could be. And human philosophy, apart from God, will always reach the conclusion that Solomon comes up with. What's Solomon's conclusion? <laughs> Life is a waste of time. Life without God is just a waste of time. That's really his conclusion. When we have no God, life is it's pretty, it's just, it just goes, here we are, Sunday night, 6.30, and we're all going to go home. We're going to either watch a football game or go to bed and eat something and go to bed. Then we're going to get up in the morning, go to work and go through our day and then come home and, and, and eat supper and, and spend a few hours with the family and do whatever we got to do. Then, then go to bed and then we get back up and we just do this continual cycle all our lives. Get a break and schedule every now and then with a vacation or other things. But we just this monotonous routine that we're all on with this clock that continues to spin and we have it, it's well, what, what purpose is this what purpose is all of this if and of course without God it has no purpose it's just we're just spinning our wheels here we can build great things but at the end of the day somebody's going to come along and tear what we build down or call us names and cancel us and, and, and remove us because they didn't like what we said. It should frighten us, by the way, that the favorite book of every atheist is the book of Ecclesiastes. Atheists love to quote Ecclesiastes because what is it? It's a book that's written looking at life and it's life under the S-U-N Life under the sun without God. And so Solomon's looking at life as if there... Now, he believes in God. He knows God, but he's, he's taking it apart. What are, so if there's no God, why am I here? I, I, what, am I, what am I doing here? What have I accomplished here? And atheists look at this book and they say, See, even the Bible says life is useless and there's no God. Even right there in the book of Ecclesiastes, there was a famous French philosopher by the name of Voltaire. People love Voltaire. And Voltaire, again, hated Christians. He hated, particularly hated the Catholic Church. But he's an ardent atheist, but a famed philosopher, nonetheless, and French, which goes without saying. All right? And, and he even wrote a book. Somebody asked him, why don't you write a book on Psalms? And he started, eventually he got into Ecclesiastes. I like this one. And even Voltaire, this ardent atheist, wrote some papers and books on Ecclesiastes and tried to expound his atheism using Ecclesiastes. Again, this famed 
brain who failed to understand what the book is about. Cults often get their false doctrines from Ecclesiastes. I've heard preachers on TV, usually in mega churches. And by the way, anytime you see a mega church preacher, nine times out of ten, or nine three quarters and forty-four one hundred percent of the time, it's a, it, the preacher's really useless. He knows very little Bible, but he knows a lot of marketing, and knows how to sell things. But he knows very little Bible. And I watch guys on TV sometimes quoting Ecclesiastes, and absolutely with no clue is what they're talking about. Anybody ever hear the doctrine of soul sleep? Soul sleep is the teaching that when you die, your body and soul stay in the grave and they both sleep and they both are waiting for the resurrection. So you don't go to heaven. Your soul's not in heaven or it's not in hell. It's, it's sleeping. And so you're waiting the resurrection. It's a very popular view amongst a lot of people out there. And, and, and where do they get soul sleep from? Anybody want to take a... What book do they generally refer to to try to prove soul sleeping. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. And so I was watching one guy one night, and I'm like, I'm getting a headache because the guy's got a thousand people and he's a moron. Maybe that's what I got to do. I just got to be a moron and, and just get up there and make things up and, and we'll pull them in around here. But that's not what we want. But I'm just being facetious and trying to be humorous here. So again, Man tries to be happy without God. Man tries everything. And every day, millions of people try to be happy in life without God. And, and how does man try to be happy without God? Well, they do it a million ways. It's football season. Everybody's happy, or millions of people are happy because football season is back. Football season will end, and then they'll be miserable for the next six months. And by the way, and if, and if your team loses and your team stinks, how can you be happy knowing your team's a bunch of pathetic losers? They go home as millionaires and you sit in your home with potato chips on your chest, depressed because your team just lost. So people try to find joy in all of these things. And they can't. Solomon, the wisest of men, he had the wisdom that God had given him. He's going to try every endeavor and pleasure that was known to man. And the conclusion of, of his life was, it's all vanity. And what do people think? If I can just get this, I'll finally be happy. If I can just obtain this, I can finally be happy. And then we obtain that. And if we don't have God with that, it will not give us happiness. But for a short little time, a short little time. The word vanity, as we see here in our Bible, as he says here in the verse number two, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's a happy way to start a book. And it's simply, it's a word that simply means that everything God has for us is empty. It's purposeless. There's no purpose to us. Satisfaction in life can never be attained in this manner. And too often, again, we think that things, if we, people, if I can just be famous, if I can just, somebody was telling me that, there's a, you know, I don't want to mention these people, but I don't understand this, some of these celebrities. I really don't, how people, some of these celebrities, some of these singers especially, are so popular. I, I just don't. I don't get it. And yet they pack out stadiums and, and, and their tickets go for thousands of dollars and 
And, and you're looking at them, you listen to the song, and you're like, what the, I, don't, I don't get it. Except to say it's satanic. It's really satanic. Satan controls these things, and he controls this market, and, and people flock to that, and they're like falling in love with these celebrities that they'll never meet or really could care anything about them. The Song of Solomon will learn that if we turn from the world and set our affections on Christ, we really can't fathom the infinite love that God has for us. The idea that God loves us and God has a plan for my life and God wants to do something for me is, is an object very large. Something the world can't offer because one day the world you can be all that and the next day they'll throw you out on the street. They, they, they use you and then they throw you out. Years ago there was a famous Hollywood actress. Well she wasn't famous anymore because she passed her prime. The secret with Hollywood is that once you, for women especially, once the age kicks in, they're done with you. They'll toss you off to the side. And one of those actors one time was found out of her mind, unclothed, and, 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 and in somebody's bushes. She's just completely out of her mind. She had got so depressed because she could not get a, another Hollywood job, yet ten years prior she was the name to be had in everybody's movie. What happened? She got older. And there's always somebody prettier coming up behind you who's willing to sell their soul to get this job. And that's what they basically do. Everybody you see in Hollywood, basically, especially the females, have sold their soul to, to get to that place. That's, you adults understand what I'm talking about. The casting directors are probably the most vile people on planet Earth. But if a girl's willing, she can make herself in, but usually they're all hooked on something to hide the pain and, and to cover up the pain of what they're going through if they're selling your soul. And the guys do it too, by the way. Casting directors, they, they're, they, okay? You understand? It's, it's a vile place. It's a vile, vile place. And again, without God, Without God, it's all vanity. You get this fame, and at the end of the day, what, what's, what happens? Nothing. They throw you away and want nothing to do with you. <laughs> I, well, I won't go into it. All those, again, Solomon's conclusions here, are, the, the, the conclusions are not inspired. The scripture that tells us about them is inspired. This is the reason for the, why he says, I said in mine heart. He'll often say, I said in mine heart. I said in my heart, under, and there's this other phrase, under the sun, S-U-N, under the sun. And there's another phrase, vanity. So Solomon's looking at life and he's saying, I, I said in my heart and, and, and uh, under the sun and, and vanity. We find these phrases throughout his, his, his search. The title of the book really is an English transliteration of the Greek word for the Hebrew, which is translated preacher. And so really, Ecclesiastes means preacher. In the Greek, we have the word ecclesia. I told you I wouldn't use Greek a few weeks ago, but I'm letting you know something because this is important. It's the Greek word ecclesia, which we get the word called out assembly, which means church. We get the word church is the Greek word ecclesia, called out assembly. 
And so here in Ecclesiastes, we have Ecclesiastes is very close to Ecclesia, which again, this is, this is the preacher talking. So Ecclesiastes is really just a big title for the preacher. The preacher. And, and again, Solomon is a preacher, but he's more of a philosopher in this book than he is anything else. So Solomon writes this. He calls himself the preacher in verse number one, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. So it lets us know who the author is. Solomon doesn't mention his name, but that first verse, and, and there's not a single person on planet earth that has ever disputed the fact that Solomon wrote this book. Everybody, liberal and, and, and conservative, are all in agreement that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. There's no doubt about that. And again, this word preacher that we see here uh, also can be translated teacher. He's trying to teach us something here. And it's probably a better terminology that we would understand. So a preacher proclaims the word of God. A teacher may try to educate you. And, and here we have the preacher is now as the teacher and he's trying to educate you. And if we're smart, by the way, in life, we will learn from our mistakes. And if you're really, really smart, you will learn from others' mistakes. This way you don't make them. But too often, well, they did it because they're an idiot, but I'm, I'm a smarter idiot, and so let me try, and there you go off the cliff. It's like governments trying socialism. Well, it didn't work for them, but we're smarter over here, so let us try it. And, and we watch more countries destroying themselves for a philosophy that's done nothing but bring misery and pain to everybody else. You say you're praising capitalism? I'm praising Christianity because anywhere Christianity has been pride, tried, practiced, and used, you always have a prosperous and free society. Which, by the way, are the most hated countries on planet Earth right now and are trying to, the world's trying to destroy them. So I wonder who's in control of that. So again, the son of David, we have no... Again, this is... Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, who David once had this sad relationship with. And Bathsheba, for all intent and purposes, she messed up with that episode in her life. But there's no record of her ever doing anything wrong. In fact, we find her in Scripture really being a very good mother and trying to teach her children, and educate her children, and instruct her children. And a mother who's made mistakes will do her best to instruct her children so that they don't make those mistakes as well. We all like to think the best about our parents, and we all like to think the best about our grandparents and great-grandparents, but in there we may find that, you know, in their life they were actually human and did things that we may go, what in the world? My grandmother did what? Well, she was human just like you are. She's prone to the same temptations you are, same with your parents and grandparents. So Solomon begins his quest here. He begins with the vanity of life. And uh, the first major section of this chapter, he speaks about the vanity or the emptiness of life. It's the language of one who does not have a good relationship with the Lord. And again, remember, Solomon is not having a good relationship right now with the Lord. It's not God's fault. That's Solomon's fault. And by the way, Solomon's attitude right now is the world's attitude. You get around the world, they'll talk a certain way. And by the way, if you're not careful, you'll talk just with them. The world stinks and everything's horrible. Yeah. Well, it's not horrible. God's still in control. I like people say, well, it's falling apart. It's, no, it's falling into place is what it's doing, by the way. God told you it's going this way. And so why don't you try and get somebody to go to heaven with you while, while we're going down this path? Solomon sees an emptiness in all of life. And, and again, as we noted in our introduction, again, 
This is not the perspective of a believer. And this is important. Solomon's view here is not the perspective of somebody who's in love with God, serving God, and, 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 and is following God with all his heart. That's not his view right now. Solomon's in a bad place, and every now and then you may find yourself in a bad place. Please don't stay there long. Please don't stay there long. You won't enjoy the place you're staying. Every now and then my wife and we go on vacation. We've been on vacation when we've gone away. We've been in a lot of places. Sometimes you walk into a hotel room, and, and it's like we're not staying here. And we've packed up and left because there was more things in that room than, than we, we cared to share it with. Amen? If you get the, get the drift. So one time we walked in, there was like a pizza box on the bed. I opened it up. There was half a pizza. I said, well, at least we got a meal. And uh, so <laughs> I went downstairs to say, we got a pizza upstairs in our room. And as I come with the room, oh, we're sorry. We'll move you to another room. And so, and sometimes I pulled into parking lots. I told my wife, stay here. And I went inside and I came back out. Nope, we ain't staying here. We'll come out here with more than we came in with. And uh, we don't want this place. Amen. I'm not, it's not that I'm friendly, but the things that may come with me, they aren't so friendly. And so, and sometimes I've been in some places where we, this is the only thing. And I, I spent all night worrying about my car out in the parking lot. Woke up half the night. Came, is it still out there? Is it still out there? It's, I don't mind so much if it's stolen in New Jersey, but when you're in Texas, <laughs> it's like, how do we get home if they steal our car here in Texas? Things are bigger in Texas, even the car thieves. And so you worry about things. And so again, uh, when we look at the world and the emptiness of it and, and what the world has, and, and Solomon's not in a good place. He's not in a good place. Don't stay. Don't get yourself out of that bad place. How do I get out of that bad place? It's very complex. Pay attention to me. This is deep, so pay attention. When you find yourself out of fellowship with God, you get alone and you say, Dear Jesus, <laughs> I'm in a bad place. Help me get back to where I need to be. And God will answer that prayer, I guarantee you. God will, it may not be pleasant, may get some bumps and bruises as he pulls you out of that hole you put yourself in, but he'll, he'll get you out. So we read verses 1 and 2. Verse 3, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? That's a good question. Jesus put it another way when he said, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? and lose his own soul. I hope that you as Christians, we all look at this life, and, and I, I kind of smile when I'm watching the world. And I'm watching them grovel and grasp and claw and climb and, and try to obtain power and money and, and, and position, and, 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 and there they go. And you're like, dude, you, don't you realize this is... This is temporary. It's temporary. You're grabbing millions and you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to have your pleasure for just a few short years and then you're going to die. And then what? Jesus gave the parable of the, the rich man who said, I'll tear down my barns, build bigger barns, and take thine soul, eat, drink, and be merry. Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. And I'm paraphrasing when the next part is, then who, who, who's going to get all your things? Because mark it down, when you die, somebody's going to come around looking to see what, what, you, what, what do you leave behind? What's left? And they'll take all your stuff and they'll throw it out or, or divvy it up and, and, and away it goes. All your precious items. What does it profit a man? 
And so Solomon says, it says the same thing. What profit is this? Where are we going with all of this? It just seems to be a waste of time. Again, this world will give you nothing but vanity if your soul is lost. If your soul is lost, you have obtained nothing in this world. Think of the history books. First of all, think about how many people have lived on planet Earth since day one. What number is that? Trillions. Trillions. And yet how many people are in our history book compared to that trillion? The world basically remembers nobody. And 200 years from now, nobody's really going to, I'm not being, trying to be mean, but 200 years from now, nobody's really going to know the name of Joe Biden. If I name, said the name Phil, Millard Fillmore, who knows who Millard Fillmore is? He was a president. I think he died, he lived the shortest, I think. Was it him or Pierce? One of them got, gave his uh, inauguration speech during a winter and got pneumonia and died like two weeks later. So he was president for like two weeks or something and he died. And, and if, again, name the presidents. Well, I can't name the presidents. Well, it's important to the president's mother. He would think that's important, but you, nobody else knows who they are. Sarah's over there singing the song right now, going, Washington and Adams, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe. These are the U.S. presidents all lined up in a row. And we go through the whole song singing the U.S. presidents. Amen. <laughs> Did you know that? You don't know that one? We, that's how we taught our kids that song. <laughs> well, later on, I'll be signing autographs. I'll sing the whole song for you, okay? But we have, we have, a, we have a sermon to preach right now. Right? <laughs> and that's, that's, how I, that's how I know the 12 disciples. There were 12 disciples. Jesus called to help him. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, his brother, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew. He is called us too. And so we, you put it to music, you can learn it, amen? Good music. <laughs> Good music. You start rapping, I'll throw you out the door. I'll guarantee you right now. All right, now, but very few names make it through history, and the world remembers next to nobody, and those who have built great things, they get torn down and are not remembered no more. And we're in D.C., not D.C., we're in Philadelphia many years ago with the family, and, and uh, I said, the sign said, see uh, Benjamin Franklin's house. I said, this is going to be, let's go see Ben Franklin's house. So we go over, and I'm like, well, where's Ben Franklin's house? Here's the Ben Franklin Museum. Where's Ben Franklin's house? This is Benjamin Franklin, the founding father, one of the great men of American history. Where's Ben Franklin's house? You're standing on it. What? I look down. I'm standing on plexiglass. It's, the, it's basically Franklin's basement. They tore the man's house down. It's like, how do you tear down Benjamin Franklin's house? So only in America do we tear down Ben Franklin's house. So Benjamin Franklin and all his wisdom and all his things he wrote and all he did for our country and, and the great revolutionary and American, we tear his house down and so basically we can stand on and look at his basement. He's for, forgotten in that sense. Forgotten. So Solomon's trying to let us know again, life without God, it's vanity. One generation, he says in verse number four, one, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Ethan, Sarah, were you in Bible college when I did that message on the ancestors? Yeah, I should get the notes. Maybe I'll preach that next Sunday night. 
It's a good message. I like it. I preach it a couple times at Bible college. It usually depresses the kids, but because uh, it lets them know they're not all that. Amen? And uh, so you'll be, I'll, I'll incorporate that next week into the message about this idea of one generation's path away and another generation coming. Because this generation, we're going to fix things. We're going to get it done. The past generation is a bunch of losers. And what do they know? You know, they only fought a world war and, 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 and defeated Nazism, but they're a bunch of losers. We're going we're gonna to fix things with our, because we don't have an air conditioner and we drive an electric car. And so we're really going to fix the world. So apart from our hope in Jesus Christ, death is emptiness. Every cemetery that's without Christ is a place of hopelessness. Hopelessness. That the finality of death and losing somebody forever and knowing you'll never ever see them again because you don't believe in anything after this is this. It's the absolute hopelessness in that. The absolute de 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 dark depression in that thought of the one you love most is now gone and gone forever and, and has driven men to absolute depths of despair and suicide and drunkenness and everything else to try to hide the pain that they go through. But you and I as believers, our view of death is not that way. We go past cemeteries, we have family in there, but we know that those cemeteries, our loved ones are not there. <laughs> our loved ones are in a better place and and we're going to meet them again one day. We have the promise of the Word of God. What a, what a hope. I've seen people sitting in lawn chairs in cemeteries, gone down to cemeteries for funerals and other things, and, and see people camped out on graves of loved ones. I thought, how? It's sad. It just, it's sad. I don't, again, you do what you want. I'm not a big cemetery person. I go on occasion, and I usually, if I'm in the cemetery for a funeral, I will swing by and pass by the graves of those I love and know. And, 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 but, you know, again, it's, hey, <laughs> all right, see you again. I'll, you know, I always look at it this way. They're home, and I'm still at work. I'll get home eventually, and God's good time. And so it's all good. We'll meet at supper table with the Lord Jesus Christ one day. But without Christ, it's empty. It's hopelessness. And what does the Bible say? If Christ be not raised, what? Our faith is in vain in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything we believe is absolutely vain. Our preaching is vain. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ ends all of that vanity for those who put their faith in Christ. When we have Christ and the resurrection, this is not vanity. This is not. So really, I want us to look at this book from from the perspective of the, of, the, of, the, of the glad seats, of the rejoicing seats, of the happy seats, of the victory seats. Years ago, we walked into City Field. Ethan remembers this. And we had seats way up in the, in the bleeds. But it was the end of the season. The Mets weren't going anywhere. And, and there's very few people at the stadium. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to fill in the lower level to make it look good on TV. So a guy walks up to me, he goes, you want to change your seats? And of course, being from around here, I'm like, what's the catch? How much? What do you want? He goes, nothing. He worked for the stadium. He goes, I'm just, he goes I, we're, we'll give you better seats than what you got now. I said, you got anything behind home plate or first base? He said, I can get you right behind third base. I said, I'll take it. So we got seats right behind third base. Ethan got to see some baseball players, had a baseball toss to him, I think, didn't you, at the game? And, uh, and so we got, we're right there, there in the, 
in the good seats. Like, wow, this is where the, well, the rich people usually sit. We're usually like way up there, you know, with birds flying under us. It's, you know, we're not used to this. This is awesome. And we got the, our ticket enabled us to go to parts of the stadium that we've never been able to go to and see exciting things and hear exciting things. Amen, Ethan? Remember that? It was, it was awesome. My son still has trauma over it. My other son, uh, Matty, what we, <laughs> what we did that day. But it was a good day, at least for me anyway. Where are you going with this, preacher? My friend, we're in the good seats. The world is over here in darkness and looking at the world and they're miserable. And what we're doing is we're sitting over here and we're looking at them, look at the world and understanding what they're seeing. So we're not getting depressed as they are. We're understanding what they're seeing and getting that angle of it and understanding what's going on with, with that. And I hope that'll help us to appreciate the book. So as we read it, and you read it in your personal studies and in your personal time, and you, and you look at this, you're not getting depressed, but you're understanding what this teacher is trying to teach us and what he's observing and what he's learning. And it's also going to encourage you as a Christian, don't get caught up in this thing. Yes, have your job. Yes, make your money. Yes, get a home. But realize that's not where your joy lies. Because God gives those things and God takes those things away. Your joy lies in the person of Christ and having him. That's where our true joy is. Because we all occupy a house that was occupied by somebody else. Somebody was there before you and somebody lived and loved and rejoiced and, and moved away. And then somebody else did that. And then somebody else. Now you're in there. And someday you'll be gone. And somebody else will live there. I had a guy come by the house one time. He goes, you live here? I said, yeah. I used to live here. Can I go inside and see your house? You know, I'm, you know this is how I think, by the way. Well, I could probably take him. <laughs> Always got that, that, that carny in me. Amen, Chris? You gotta, I could take him. You don't look like he's carrying anything. All right, come on inside. And, this is, this is my living room. This is where we used to play as kids. And, 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 and get out. And uh, so we, you know, <laughs> but he was going down memory lane of the house he grew up in. I guess we'll all do that sometime, time to time. But my friend, when we have Christ, life is not vain. Life has purpose. Life has meaning. And life has joy. The world cannot understand <laughs> as we study it. And again, we're just kind of crack the, the nut open a little bit tonight as we go through this in the weeks ahead. We'll look more into it. We're not going to take very long. We will move faster in the weeks ahead as we go through. We'll try and get through a chapter a week uh, through this and understand the main point of every chapter and, 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 and learn what the teacher has to say and what he's learned in his experience. Let's pray. Father, bless this time. Bless this hour now. We love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.